This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. It's when the mass public stops paying attention to that community and when the mass population, it's no longer the hot topic. um, It's no longer the... um, the hot thing to give to, to like donate and then post on your social media is when it's the most important to give to those causes because the need doesn't go away just because the public stops staring at it. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two, interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable with White Ladies podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So today's essential question is how can financial giving be a vital part of our equity and justice work? So we felt we felt a bit like this is the time of year to have this conversation. Interchangeables, um, welcome to our focus episode specifically on giving. So if you're not in the zone to give or to talk about giving, maybe skip this episode or come back, but we highly encourage you to keep on listening. You know, we're in the middle of the holiday season. People are giving all kinds of things. I mean, let's be honest, maybe not all of us are in that giving spirit just yet, <laughs> but technically it's the giving season. Yes. Um, I think about a lot of our listeners and folks have really supported small businesses. What, two Saturdays ago, last Saturday, many of you became sustaining members of channel 253 on subscribe Sunday. And hopefully many of us donated a little extra to our favorite charities on that give big Tuesday. Yes. And we also want to acknowledge that for many people, this time of year can be really financially challenging. We are going through a global pandemic. There are many people that are struggling financially right now. Um, and keeping that in mind, if, um, Keeping that in mind, if that is something that you are struggling with, take this episode with a pinch of salt um, as we focus on like organizations that we really love and organizations that Hope and I both support. Yeah, one thing I'll add too is as we think about giving, um, I kind of think about it kind of twofold and maybe because for a long time I had no... um, dispensable income, what do we call it? Um, And I really didn't have any money except to make ends meet barely. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot about giving is also about time and energy and what what we can help with and support non-financially. And so kind of keeping that in the back of our minds as well. But this episode will definitely focus specifically on financial contributions as well. And so hopefully you can take what you're hearing and kind of fit that with wherever you are at at this point. Um, one One of the reasons we wanted to do this episode actually has a lot to do with the fact that we didn't want to be basic about everything except, or not basic about everything except our money. Right, Megan? Yes. So I think that we also have to um, recognize that as we know better, we need to do better. And that includes where we're giving our money. And I think that as we learn more, as we grow in our understanding of how to be better allies and how to support the work of social justice, we also need to look at what specific organizations we are choosing to give our money. And Hope um, brought up a fantastic quote by Biden himself. He says, show me your budget and I'll tell you President elect President-elect Biden? President-elect? Ooh, let me, let me, let me fix that. Because I can absolutely do that one better. So, said by President-elect Biden, show me your budget and I'll tell you what you value. Um, And so it's really looking, we're going to be taking a look at um, what organizations we have moved towards giving more money to. And there's a lot of organizations that do a lot of good. And this is by no means um, saying that those organizations aren't doing good work. But I think that we can become less basic in the way that we, um, the way that we financially support. Mm-hmm. So as I was thinking about this today, Megan, I would love to hear your thoughts on your own thinking. How has financial giving shifted in your own mind? Were there things you used to give to or care about mm-hmm. that you started shifting? I mean, have your contributions changed in any way over the years? 
So I think that the really interesting thing for me as I've moved into my career as a teacher and away from working in nonprofit management Mm. is that one, I, like you said, living paycheck to paycheck, I just, I, you know, I just stopped living paycheck to paycheck a couple years ago when I became a teacher and people laugh all the time. And when I tell them like, oh, I became a teacher for the financial (laughs) stability, like one of the reasons was financial stability. And Mm -hmm. just because the people that work in nonprofits, just don't make very much money. Um, And so I think that before I looked at my financial, my like giving as representing the nonprofits and organizations that I was working for. And that was really my focus. There was a period of time where I was working in resource development um, Mm. for these organizations. And so I looked at my work around that as spreading the word and, and letting people know about the opportunities to give um, that's how we framed it, right? It's an opportunity to give. And, <laughs> yep. and so I think that it's just been in the last couple of years that I've begun to think about myself as somebody that is on the other side of that conversation now. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely, having had a background in nonprofit work, know the organizations that are going to do the best work and those are going to be more local, right? So even if you're, if, even if there's a organization that is a national organization looking at the work that they do locally, how much, um, I look at how much efficacy and autonomy do their local chapters have in decision making. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also look at, are the organizations run by the people in that community, right? So is it an organization that, is supported and run by the community or is it an outside organization, like outside group coming in to save the day and fix yeah. all the problems. And those just aren't the organizations I'm interested in supporting. They're just not sustainable. Um, oftentimes they're not, it oftentimes it's a bandaid on a bullet hole mm-hmm. um, and they don't get, they don't understand the root of the, the um, yeah. struggle. What about you? How has your giving kind of shifted and changed? Well, I was thinking a bit about, you know, um, I was just thinking about how there's probably two events, I think, in the last seven-ish years that have shifted just the way that I want to spend my money. Um, And one is kind of overlapping with, like, capitalism as well. (laughs) Um, But when I started to buy gifts for my nieces and nephews, who actually I think my oldest niece is now 19, so maybe that was a while ago, um, I started to realize just the lack of diversity and representation in toys and media. Like I knew about it, but I I think it's different when I actually have to buy for the face in front of me, you know, Mm -hmm. and wanting my nieces and nephews to see, um, to read books with characters that were like them or that had role models for them. And so I started to think about, um, I started to find that those large corporations that I was like relying on, right. To, to buy gifts from, um, weren't actually doing anything really, or weren't offering good products. And so then I started to turn to more small businesses. And so maybe that's shameful to admit (laughs) that it took me so long for that. Um, but starting to look at more POC owned businesses, looking for businesses where, you know, centering women's stories and just some of those kind of women owned businesses and some of those organizations that were doing the work. Um, I think also that kind of wrapped up with, you know, there was a big trend for like fair trade and, you know, sustainable, like (laughs) products. Right. And so I think there was a bit of that overlap and I started to pay more attention. It wasn't just lip service. I actually was buying stuff from those kind of organizations. Um, and then I think another big shift for me happened in 2016. I started to look when, once I kind of was already getting leaning towards this a little bit, but once like the day after Trump got elected, I was like, what organizations Mm -hmm. are doing the opposite of what he's going to do or what he believes in and how can I throw all the money, extra money that I have at them. And, you know, I started to do a bunch of research for some organizations and we'll talk a bit later about some of those subcategories, but those were two big shifts for me. Um, and thinking about the way that I give and what kind of Mm -hmm. money, you know, where I put my money towards. Absolutely. Um, and I think that also saying that we've all really felt inspired to give to a cause in moments of crisis, right? The tsunami Mm -hmm. and justice for Breonna Taylor. Um, and in these really big moments, but oftentimes the, the need really comes in the moments in between, right? In these Mm -hmm. communities, right? And it's, it's when the mass public stops paying attention to that community and when the mass population, it's no longer the hot topic. Um, it's no longer the, um, 
the hot thing to give to, to like donate and then post on your social media is when it's the most important to give to those causes because the need doesn't go away just because the public stops staring at it. And, um, I always think about how, when, when I was working in the nonprofit sector, we would always prefer to have somebody pledge to give a smaller amount monthly than a bigger donation lump sum in like in one go. And it, can you talk about why that is? Yeah. Cause I don't know that I've always been convinced of that. I think I have more so, but. So you have to think about, um, when it comes to nonprofits, they have to sit down and they have to look at the money flow coming in, in order to budget their programs. And so they, oftentimes nonprofits structure their organizational calendar year based off of certain events that they have. So they have one big auction that they know they're going to have a huge lump sum of money come in. They know that they like a lot of organizations like used to do like golf tournaments, right? And that would bring in a big chunk of money. And then they would try Mm. and plan their year based off of how much money they think was going to come in at those events. But having monthly contributions, it means that a nonprofit can sit down and with pretty good certainty know how much money is going to be coming in every single month. And so there is a sustain, there's a sustainability model for that. And it allows nonprofits to plan and project further into the future. And I'm, we could have a whole episode about how I think that nonprofits should change their funding structure away from event-based fundraising and more towards major gifts um, because of that fact, right? That it's just not as sustainable and it's not, um, it's harder to plan big picture and longer term if Mm. you don't know where your money is going to be coming from. And so Mm -hmm. there is a security that comes with people pledging to donate every single month because it's money that nonprofits can rely on having and know that they will have. And it brings security um, to the work that they are doing. And, and so just, if you're able to consider, consider setting up monthly, um, donations, right. That it's automatically taken out of your account and it's donated to the organization and, you know, whatever that looks like for you. So with that, I mean, I think sometimes I look at $5 and I'm like, that's not enough for sustaining like donations. Do you think even something so small as five bucks matters or is it better to, like, I still go back to that. Oh, it's better to drop a hundred bucks if I had it versus like $5, I guess $5 over the course of the year is still nothing. So, (laughs) so, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? If, if people don't necessarily have a lot of money to put towards something. Well, I would say $5 isn't nothing to anybody that's saying, if that's how much you can give, I think that you're the only person that can have that conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes it's also like, you're not the only person that is potentially donating $5 every month, right? Cause that quickly adds up. If there's enough people True. that have um, pledged to donate $5 every single month and you have no idea how many people have done that. And mm-hmm. also there, um, the, the marketing piece of it, right. Of like, that allows the nonprofit to then say, we have this many people supporting the work that we do, which then that's leverage for them to go out and leverage bigger gives from bigger players. Right. So whether that's grants or whether that is a major donor, um, but it's saying, listen, we have this many people that are supporting us and care enough about what we're doing and believe in the work that we're doing to give to us every single month. And they don't necessarily hmm. like have to say, oh, it's only at $5, but they can say like, this is the length of, this is the list. This is the number. Right. And so yeah. there is leverage when it comes to things like that. Right. Like, and I hate to push that, but in the nonprofit world, that is, that is absolutely part of the game is how do you set yourself apart from the other, like from other things in order to secure the money that you need in order to do the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the ways, right? So saying this is how much support we have from the public. This is how much they believe in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because then you can also point to say, this is a need, right? Like this is absolutely a need in our community because people are supporting what we're doing. So I think that just thinking about, it's not just $5, right? The accumulation of that over time, as well as you never know how many people, but also just, it's a sign of support. It's a, and it's a, right. it's a pretty significant sign of support, right? Saying that I'm going to give money every single month. I believe in what you do, right? I think back to um, when I didn't have money, 
right? Like I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was giving $5 a month to the shelter that, um, one of my friends had adopted an animal from like their pet. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was $5 a month and I would give to them and, you know, it was, it was a great or like animal rescue and I believed in what they did. And so I felt good about doing that and it was what I could do. Right. Like it's all I could have. Right. Yeah. So I feel like we're about to launch in like a pledge drive, but we're not, we (laughs) promise you listeners, this is not a pledge drive. Although if you feel compelled to donate to channel, to become a subscribing member dollars a month for only $10 (laughs) a month, you can, uh, hello, channel two, five, three subscribing members, only $4 a month. For only $4 a month, you you can have access to an endless amount of awesome local podcasts that are really pushing local issues and keep you informed in what's happening in the city of Tacoma. Yeah. A special newsletter. Can we say that they get a tote bag? There's no tote bag, alas. But maybe if we had more subscribing members, we eventually, or a good donation of tote bags. If you're a tote bag business out there. Listen, donate donate (laughs) tote bags for our members. (laughs) Yes, please. Anybody who's listening, um, DIY your your tote bags there. Um, So, well, in thinking about what you're saying and just kind of processing it all, I really think about financial giving is part of investing in our community in a different way. As I said, we said at the top of this, um, different than, you know, investing your time or energy and, and you can do that and should do that too. So, yes. you know, you obviously you have to weigh that with your own kind of, um, yeah, what your, your situation is right. And Absolutely. everyone's situation is unique and distinct. Uh, so today we're actually going to focus on three kind of categories of giving that Megan and I subscribe to or pay attention to, or just kind of what drives our own, um, giving practices. Um, you're going to hear actually like 25, 30 different organizations and things mentioned. So if anything else, if nothing else, but you walk out of this episode or drive out of this episode, um, <laughs> thinking about what's one place that you might adjust your giving or change your giving. And maybe that's giving a little bit more to something you already give to, or maybe you're, you hear about an organization today or a group that you're like, wow, I really believe in that mission. Or I'm going to go look them up. And so we will link to all of those organizations um, in the show notes. And so you'll have easy access to do that as well. So let's start off um, with the idea of local giving. I mean, you already talked about it a little bit. Why does local giving matter and who are the organizations that you give to in a local context? So I think I always, I try to always look for local because I believe that the more local an organization is, the better suited it is to serve its community. They know what the issues are. They know what is needed. Right now during COVID, giving locally to me means supporting small businesses. Mm. Um, This is one that it's very close to my heart. My sister and brother-in-law own a brewery down in a very small town in Southern Oregon, in Roseburg, Oregon. And they are really, really struggling right now. They they don't know if they're going to be able to stay in business. Um, They were a fairly new brewery, um, fairly new business when all of this happened. And so it's been especially hard for them. And so I just really have been encouraging people to go and support local restaurants, local breweries, and not just ordering food out, but there are other ways to support them, right? So if you purchase gift cards from them in a large sum of money, right, that's going to help. Mm. And you'll eventually get to like cash in on it, like just save it (laughs) until after. Um, it reminds me of like a bond from back in World War II where you're like, right? you're buying a gift card Cash like a it. bond. It's a great, I mean, it's a great- <laughs> You're going to lose it in your drawer, but it also goes yeah. to a good it's cause. It's a great stocking stuffer as a present to go and buy gift cards to local restaurants for people. I say like, if it's a brewery, go get some growlers filled for your holiday meal. Um, so you can go and purchase that for the holidays. Um, but just really think, and oh, also merch, right? So most breweries, most- Um, places like that, like wineries, breweries, they have merchandise that you can purchase, which is also a really great markup and they make a decent amount um, of money on that. So just thinking about different ways to support local restaurants, ordering food is not the only way that you can support these local companies. Mm, I love that. And I think on this show, we've talked a lot about um, local women and black owned businesses. We've also, we'll link to that some recommendation from the Tacoma Urban League has a really great list of black owned and women owned businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also have really fantastic community oriented businesses like Enrama and Doyle's. Um, Those who've listened to the podcast, you know, we interviewed uh, folks from Love by the Slice, Cassandra, who's amazing and the work that she's doing is amazing as well. Um, So in thinking about giving locally to businesses, are there 
other local organizations that maybe are less business oriented that you support? They're not like straight up a small business, but more of think about, well, they may or may not be like an official nonprofit. So like one I was thinking about that comes to mind um, is Snacks for Schools uh, and also the Tacoma Diaper Drive. Um, John Murphy, a friend of ours in the podcast, runs something called Sandwiches for Homeless. And he works with some other folks who basically make sandwiches every week and distribute them to the homeless in Tacoma. Um, For those people that know, both Megan and I worked at Lincoln High School. And so Lincoln High School Community Resource Center always is looking for donations especially this time of year and supporting students um, who don't have their needs being met, whether it's food, financial, uh, Christmas presents, and so on. I think about a lot of those organizations. Yes. And I guess for me, I, of course, I, I, I'm including them in the podcast, mainly, namely because I know people that run them. So kind of mm-hmm. to your point earlier, when you know who is distributing, who is running it, who you know that they're using all of the money that you're giving to actually imp, imp, like impact people. And it's not just caught up in like administrative costs. Like I think some organizations are, yeah. um, for me, that's, those are the reasons I give to those kind of organizations. How yeah. about you? Um, so I really have been supporting, um, the work that our librarian is doing with, mm-hmm. um, the, um, Lincoln Abe's read. Oh my gosh. Why project lit. That's the name. I was like, (laughs) what is the name of that? So it's project lit. Um, our librarian does fantastic work around literacy and decolonizing, um, your bookshelf. She was on this podcast, I believe, um, before I joined the team, but she came on and she had a conversation about the concept of decolonizing your bookshelf. And she is just relentless in her pursuit to get books in the hands of our students that Mm -hmm. they can see themselves in. And so I know that during this time of COVID, when we're not in the schools, she's been really raising a lot of money to purchase books for our students. They did, they ran a, um, a project this summer of decolonizing those little, the mini libraries around the city of Tacoma where they like put um, books in those mini libraries um, that were written by people of color and women of color primarily. And so I just, I think that the work that she is doing is so important and I just can't say enough amazing things about what she does for our students in making them lifelong readers, which hearing hearing our students at Lincoln talk about the impact of realizing they like to read is a really mm-hmm. powerful thing. Yeah, and I was thinking, did you just say King's Books partners also with, um, not only with Project Lit, with yes. um, our school at Lincoln, but also I, I, one of the things I love about King's Books and many of you that listen, you know, buy your books from King's, um, but also they are partnering with schools and the, some of the folks who are doing those local donation pieces. So you can go to King's, buy a book and have it distributed speci- yes. directly to the kids to the school. And will is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And they like, like you said, King's does a great job of partnering with our librarian, um, Kristen Sierra in there's some reading lists and so they mm-hmm. have those lists and you can go and like you said just like purchase the book and it's sent directly um directly to Lincoln and I just a shout out of a reminder of our book club so we are hey. partnering <laughs> partnering and we're reading cast right now and she actually worked her butt off for me to get a class set of cast for my leadership class at Lincoln High School so I'm currently that's reading awesome. that book with my high schoolers which is just an amazing thing um, and that's just an example of the type of work that she um, just relentlessly works to do. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So beyond, so we kind of talked about like the local organizations or people that we're supporting in kind of these small, um, the, the focuses that they have, like in a particular, you know, whether it's education or literacy related or homeless related. Um, are there other kinds of things, I, I guess I should say it this way, like what other values, Megan, do you use to guide your financial giving and thinking um, outside of local? Are there any national organizations mm-hmm. or do you really just stick with local and why or why not do you shift when you shift? So there are national organizations that I support. And like I said earlier in the episode, I look at what work are they doing locally and how much autonomy do their local chapters have. And I really, I look to issues that matter a lot to me, right? That I care really deeply about and get me like excited and passionate um, when looking for those organizations. And I think that you can see looking back at the history of an organization, the type of work that they're doing 
Um, yeah. Right. And you can, you can determine whether it's a good organization and whether it like aligns with your values based off of that. Right. And so generally I look for an organization that has a history of success. Um, I go and I look to see if they have a clear mission and vision. Oftentimes people will create nonprofits just because they want to do good, but that's not going to necessarily create the most sustainable good. And so it's like looking at how clear is their mission and vision, how much time have they put into that? Because really that's going to be a key indicator of whether an organization is sustainable. Um, And honestly, right now I have been feeling really, really passionate about you know, women's rights, obviously, like that's always been a big passion of mine, but specifically Native women's rights, um, Indigenous Mm -hmm. women's rights. There is a huge um, epidemic happening, right, with with Indigenous women going missing or being murdered, like the disproportionate rate that Indigenous women are being murdered. And so there's an organization called Native Women's Wilderness, um, which is a fantastic umbrella organization that was founded by um, Native women. It's run by Native women. And it's the intent is to reconnect um, Native women to the wilderness. But also underneath that, they have the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, so MMIW Mm. organization, that's really fighting to highlight, one, highlight the issue of these women that are missing or have been murdered, but there's no coverage of it. And two, find these women. And so I um, have been supporting them. And that's not necessarily a local mm-hmm. a local organization, but uh, because they've done really amazing work with the Navajo Reservation. Um, but I really deeply believe in it, right? I think that there's this, this, this invisible, horrific problem that's happening that not a lot of people are looking at. And so giving to them, I feel like it's, um, highlighting and amplifying the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you're talking about women, I was thinking about, um, in my own like values, I, I I do focus a lot on like women oriented organizations and trying to, I, I find myself leaning also towards organizations that, um, either support or do some work with women of color specifically, um, or that are health oriented. And sometimes they, those things overlap. Um, so one of the things in back, I was, I mentioned earlier about 2016, um, right after DT was elected there, I, DT, uh, immediately, <laughs> good old DT. Um, old I DT. immediately, the funny thing is there's like four family members, five family members that I have that have the same initials, but I'm not talking about them. Um, <laughs> not so I, you. I immediately, I know not you, I immediately went to Planned Parenthood. And so I was like, what is the, what is the ultimate thing that the right really hates right now? Planned Parenthood. Yep. Um, and so I started to think about just my own benefits with Planned Parenthood. There was a long time where I was uninsured. The only place that I could get any kind of reproductive health support, any kind of medical exams, any kind of any, any women's issues, mm-hmm. right. That I had. Planned Parenthood was the only place that would would accept me, right? Insurance list. Um, I've felt completely supported every time I've walked into that building. The staff is wonderful. They're kind. And, and I've gone to several different locations. And I immediately was like, okay, this is in direct opposition to the DT mm-hmm. administration. Um, I'm going to throw my money there and yeah. put my money there as like a consistent. So especially, it felt like an act of defiance, actually, kind of, yeah. in being like, you know what? I'm going to subscribe this much money this the, every month and just like, put it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also started this, um, financially supporting the center for reproductive rights. Same thing. I was like, you know what? People deserve the right to choose. I don't yep. know if we're going to lose like our access to healthcare. I don't know what's going to happen with all this stuff. I don't want that to happen. And so, um, I decided to support it financially, not just, you know, posting something or having a strong opinion about it, but actually putting my money behind, yeah. um, the values that I said there. And I, I think that I, I know that most of our listeners already know that Planned Parenthood is not just a organization that provides abortions. It's actually like a very, 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 very small percentage of the services that they provide. And it's hearing you say that makes me think about the services that they do provide, right? Like scans yeah. for um, reproductive cancers, which is very near and dear yeah. to my heart. Um, so something that I am focusing on this season is, um, 
organizations that support reproductive cancers because mm. a little, little over a year ago, I was diagnosed with cancer and it was the worst experience of my entire life. It was horrible and overwhelming. And I just, I was, um, supported by a couple organizations that I am really fortunate that this year, which feels crazy. It's only been <laughs> a little over a year that Seriously, I'm able yeah. to like go back and give back to them. Right. So they were, like mm. you said, Planned Parenthood, that's where you like were provided your, um, healthcare. So these, there's two organizations that I want to highlight it live strong yeah. and heartbeat. Um, mm. so <clears throat> When I went through my experience, I needed to get my eggs freezed. So there was a chance that my fertility was in question. Mm. Um, and through this process, like that's all up in the air. But not many people know that Livestrong actually covers fertility treatments for cancer patients. Um, and so Livestrong actually ended up covering um almost all of the egg retrieval cost. And wow. then there's still like extra cost for the medication. And so heartbeat covered a portion of that as well. And wow. I'm talking that it was approved within 24 hours. Oh my so gosh. if you're able to, if that's something that resonates with you, I really encourage you all to donate and give because I was on the receiving end and I know how, um, kind they were and compassionate they were through the process. They made it as easy as possible for me, knowing that everybody that they are working with is going through the worst moment of their life. Um, and then also just to highlight the National Ovarian Cancer Association, I am a huge proponent of focusing on early detection. Um, and so that's what they focus on. So if you're able mm. to give there, but that's, those are some organizations that just because of my personal, <laughs> my personal yeah. journey, I feel really strongly about highlighting, um, and discussing and trying to get as many people to support what they do. Cause they've been on the receiving end of it and it's pretty great. Uh, let's take a break real quick and then we'll come back and continue this conversation. This is Eric Hanberg, host of the channel two, five, three podcast. We art to come words mean things. That's what Pacific Lutheran University challenges me and you to think about in our everyday speech. When I speak to you or a guest over the podcast, the words I choose have impact, either positive or negative. Words have history, and when we choose to use them, we have to own their meaning and their effect on the people listening. My language, my choice. PLU is asking us to go deep on words like anti-racist, or decolonize, and to think about what those words truly mean. Then, once you understand them, let's talk about how you can put words into action. What can you do to live up to the word anti-racist? How can you decolonize your entertainment, or even how you introduce yourself? These are big questions. To get ideas on how to answer them, and to find questions about other important words, Visit plu.edu slash words mean things to learn more. My sincere thanks to Pacific Lutheran University for sponsoring Channel 253 and for doing exactly what universities should be doing right now with this campaign. Okay, uh, so let's talk about what is another thing that you care about, a value, something that drives your giving. Um, Megan, what is something else that comes to mind? I mean, I don't think it'll come as any shock to the people that listen to this <laughs> podcast, but I am very into politics. Um, oh, and surprise. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. And so I've been really focusing on voting rights, especially during this election season. Mm -hmm. Um and so I am sure it's a national topic right now, but the organization Fair Fight, um, it's a Georgia organization founded by Stacey Abrams. They're just, it's, they're doing amazing, amazing work, not only in Georgia, but um, nationally about increasing the access to voting and working, they're just doing amazing work in dismantling voter suppression. And so right now I'm focusing on Fair Fight just because there's the runoff elections on January 5th in Georgia for those two Senate seats and the Senate um, majority is in the balance. So all eyes should be on those two Senate races. Mm. And if you're able to um, 
go and donate to Fair Fight and support their work, the work they're doing there. They're just, man, hitting the ground running of getting people registered to vote and ordering their mail-in ballots for that runoff election. And I think they just hit 1 million ballots requested for that January 5th election, which is amazing. And, And there is a lot of evidence to support that the work that Stacey Abrams and Fair Fight have done is one of is a significant reason why Georgia turned blue this year. And they've been doing that work for almost a decade. And and it's just, it's important work. It matters. And it is an example of how I believe Democrats need to begin to approach these, these um, issues to access to voting, right? It needs to be grassroots. It needs to be on the ground. And it's incremental. And it's like, you can make a difference every single day. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so not related to voting rights, but <laughs> I, I support those two. I support those two. Um, I was thinking a lot for me, one of the things I care deeply about and have a lot of familial connections um, and, and thinking about kind of the trajectory of the students I've worked with over the years. Um, one of the things I care deeply about is around immigration and immigration reform and immigration support. And what does all that mean? And again, in opposition to, that guy, DT, and his policies. Um, So a couple of organizations that I think are really doing good work around um, supporting immigrants, and it looks a little bit different with each of the work. So uh, some people might be familiar with um, One America, and they have a Seattle branch or Seattle local office. I I can't remember if they actually started in Seattle, but I'll link to their page here. And so again, they do some really great work in terms of focusing on economic stability, um, job focus, the economy, but it is very much centered around the immigrant story and kind of, I guess, in some regards, like what does it mean to be, you know, an immigrant in the U.S. and this idea of like, um, what is it, you know, racial kind of reconciliation. I think there's a lot of different themes in the work that they do. And so I really love that their work is multi-pronged and their approach that they have. Um, plus their community education resources are fantastic using those as a teacher um, and their organization around these different kinds of initiatives that come up. Um, I fully support their work. The other organization that I discovered a few years ago um, is a group called Border Angels and they're out of Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I was really struck that their work does that I know that I personally can't have like a direct impact on is they really focus on um, doing water, water drops. One of the, they have like four, again, four main things that they do, four or five main things that they do. But one of the things that they do is they do water drops. And so essentially they comb the areas where a lot of folks will be coming across the border and they leave water and food and resources and clothing and bundles. And it's pretty amazing um, the work that they're doing like directly impacts and helps um, save lives. They also recently started something that's called Green Cards for Kids. And so again, working with kids that are um, left at the border, that just like a lot of different components that are there. Um, refugees, I guess, if you will. Uh, what's the other? Asylum seekers, uh, that term as well is used there. And so just the work they do, like they are very public about what they're doing. They're very um, driven to actually help I mean, all these organizations are actually helping people on the ground, but I, I think there's something um, unique about what they do. And so I really um, felt 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 drawn to support their work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think, and I love how you connected it to your work with like your students at Lincoln, right? That um, I also agree in the work that the Border Angels do. I think that it's so important for Um, like focusing on that work, right? Providing service and aid and the situation that's happening on the border right now is just awful. And so any, any support that we can give to Mm -hmm. that movement is necessary and Mm -hmm. needed. Mm -hmm. Um, So also I wanted to add on to the voting rights in a more local sense. There is a local organization called Legally Black that I have Mm. been doing a lot of research into and just really love the work that they're doing. They did a lot of um, work in leading up to the election of getting people registered to vote. And they have a really great mission of trying to um, improve the lives of, of people in Tacoma. And so one of their focuses is really the defunding the police and what does that look like and supporting that effort. But I just, I really, I really believe in the work that they're doing. I think that we in Washington get kind of complacent 
when it comes yeah. to voting rights. And we think that Washington state has just amazing voting rights and access to voting, which we do. Do not get me wrong. We do. Um, but there's still work to be done. Not many people realize that Washington is a voter purge state. So it's a use it or lose it state. So if you do not vote in two consecutive federal elections, your name is removed from the voter registration, um, which is and, and I'm not sure if people realize it's considered to be a pretty regressive voting rights policy. Mm. And so they're like, Washington is great and amazing and access to voting is great and amazing, but there's still work to do. And so Legally Black is one of the local organizations that is is kind of putting in work there. Mm, I love that. Um, one of the things we talk a lot about on this podcast is just the work around racial justice that's there. And like, what does that mean in terms yeah. of thinking about the criminalization of black and brown folks? Um, and you kind of mentioned this with Legally Legally Black, is that what the name of the organization? Yeah. yeah, so you kind of mentioned that with them, but I was also thinking um, one of the, I've been trying to be more intentional about my giving in relation to systemic issues as well. Mm-hmm. So um, the organizations that are actually working to change policies and laws um, in a way that could impact people now, but also like future generations. And so uh, many, I think most of our listeners are probably familiar with the Innocence Project. And the first time I heard about them was when I got hooked on Serial. Oh um, and the Adnan Sayed that case. podcast was and, just everything. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And just, but just realizing that there are organizations out there that their work is to help reform the criminal justice system and, and to also mm-hmm. like legitimately fight for people who are being negatively impacted in their families. Um, and so I think that from all of the things that I've seen around that program and that organization, um, their work is making a huge difference. Like you talked about this earlier on, like in terms of how they're rooted in their communities, they do the research, they spend time and their money on things that actually are making a difference. Um, And so I just wanted to put that there as an organization that I was thinking about um, related to um, criminal justice specifically. Fully endorse. Yeah. Are there any other groups you want to highlight before we talk about what our listeners recommended? I think I'm excited to get to this list of organizations our listeners have there's provided because so there's so many and they're so, so good. Oh, one more thing. Um, so that we know that in the United States, Islamophobia is mm-hmm. like has been on the rise for a while and is very real. Um, and so I discovered again, I, this is so probably like late to the party here, but um, CARE, the Council of Immig- American Islamic Relations and the work that they do nationally and locally as well. There's a Seattle chapter um, that I highly recommend reading about. And especially if you care about things around Islamophobia or like just even the notion that we should have actual religious freedom, which means to practice whatever religion or non-religion that we want to practice and just believe what we want to believe and and live out our lives in in, in that given choice way um, without infringing on somebody else's um, religious freedom or values. I hate the word freedom actually, but, (laughs) but I also recommend um, looking into their organization if you are at all interested in that work. Interchangeable. White ladies. Oh my gosh. We have so many good recommendations. Uh, You want to just take turns going through the list? Yes, I'm going to need some help with pronunciation, I believe. Um, But the first one, so uh, there was somebody that recommended Planned Parenthood. We've already talked about that. And the next is Niles Edge in Seattle, and they focus on mental health. um, And it's led by and it's for Black people. So that's, that's an amazing organization to go support, especially right now while we're moving through the, with everything with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Um, I don't know how to pronounce the next one, but it is maybe the Na'a Elahi Fund, and it's specifically focused on Native girls in Washington State and um, specifically focused on helping um, encourage Native girls to get involved in STEM. And so that's science, technology, engineering, and math, if I remember that all correctly. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's um, community development, education, and it's a really outstanding organization that was recommended by one of our listeners. So the next is the Somali Parents Education Board, and that's focused on um, Somali family education and advocacy. We have a really large population of Somali refugees in this area. Um, And so that organization focuses on education and advocacy. Awesome. Uh, Another recommended uh, project was something called the Densho Project, which specifically was focused on preserving stories about Japanese incarceration and those families that were, um, yeah, Incarcerated? Incarcerated is another right Incarcerated. word. Incarcerated. Is it the right word for putting uh, uh, detention? Well, there's. I feel like there's another word here. 
in prison. There we go. There we go. Um, during World War II. And so capturing their stories, um, capture, sharing those stories and kind of putting a voice in a different way. Um, so I'm pretty excited about looking into that project as well. Yes. Also, I fully, fully support and endorse. Um, I don't know if the listeners know that I am. I don't think so. Go I ahead. am 25%. I'm a quarter Japanese and my grandma is um, 100% Japanese. And so this story, that project means a great deal to me. I was also going to point out when you were talking about the border that the Japanese community has um, never again is now um, is this mm. really supporting the imprisonment of children in cages on the border. So they've been doing some really good work around advocating for that, protesting that and doing some work around that. So um, just wanted to, <laughs> that made me think about it, that of the, the, the tie between what happened to Japanese Americans mm-hmm. and what's currently happening to people on the border is mm-hmm. staggering. So the next organization is the Southern Poverty Law Center. They focus on racial and social justice. They, they're a, they're an OG. They, (laughs) they're right. They've been doing the work for a really long time. For me, they're the place where I go to get a lot of information about hate groups. They, um, and terrorist organizations, they do a lot of work around that. Um, and so if you're ever looking to get information, like good quality information about the, those groups in the United States, they're the place to go. They do an amazing annual report that tracks Mm -hmm. um, hate crimes across the U.S. And it's very um, scientific for anyone that's doubtful of those things. Like it's very meticulous in the way that they define hate crimes and the way that they track that information and looking at the rise of anti-Semitism, anti-Blackness. I mean, it's a variety of um, categories. And so the reports are really useful in wrapping your head around what exactly is going on. And I also want to say that there's been efforts to minimize the efficacy of this organization Mm -hmm. by the right because the because Southern Poverty Law Center has begun to highlight organizations that maybe are supporting that side. And so there's been kind of a systematic trying to dismantle the credibility of that organization. But um, the work that they do has not changed. The The attention to detail has not changed. And so going yeah. and showing that you support the work that they do could be a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. The um, kind of related to that is a number of listeners um, talked about the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL. Mm-hmm. Um, so similar organization, although Megan, how would you define their difference, do you think? Wait, say that again? The Anti-Defamation League, the ADL. Oh, sure. Okay, we'll we'll link to that. So it, from what I understand, the difference in their work is a bit more broad. They're focused more on law and court support. Um, I could be speaking out of turn, but I, that's um, one of the things that people kind of talked about when they recommended um, the organization. So we'll make sure we link to that. And my apologies if I've mischaracterized them or not, didn't explain them well enough. Um, a couple more organizations from folks in our audience. Do you want to take the next and then I'll do the sure. last one? Yeah. Um, African Town Community Land Trust. So this is an organization in Seattle and they focus on investing and preserving, defending and building communities. So one of my favorite things about this recommendation was the quote. I'm just going to read it from our listener, Fraggle. Um, As a white, I shouldn't make the choice of which programs are valuable or needed. They should. And so thinking about community organization from the lens of the people that are uh, most impacted, affected uh, by those decisions. I just love that. And so we'll link to their website. So I was um, trying to look up really quickly the difference. So like wanted to give the listeners the Anti-Defamation League um, and the Southern Poverty Law Center. So um, the Anti-Defamation League, their mission is to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment to all. So I just wanted, before I spoke on it, I wanted to be sure. Um, So the Anti-Defamation League is very specifically focused on anti-Semitism versus the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is focused focused on all hate crimes. Um, And they do focus on anti-Semitism, but that's not the only thing that they do. And from my understanding, the Southern Poverty Law Center, the reason I go to what they do is that they're doing the data collection and tracking of that um, and the categorizing of that. And then the Anti-Defamation League is focused on the active like stopping of of anti-Semitism and fighting against anti-Semitism. So I just, sorry about the delay in that information. (laughs) I was like, let me quickly look that up. Um, (laughs) So next up was the Trevor Project. So the Trevor Project supports LGBTQ plus youth. They provide counseling and emergency interventions 
Um, they provide resources and the work that they do to provide a community for the LGBTQ+, which are disproportionately impacted by suicide and thought, like suicidal thoughts, um, is huge. And so the work that the Trevor Project does is amazing. And in a time where in a kid's life where they have the potential to feel very, very isolated and alone, the Trevor Project oftentimes acts as kind of a life raft for them. Mm -hmm. And since we're on the topic, I was thinking, um, also putting a plug in here for the Rainbow Center. I know a lot of our listeners um, financially give to the Rainbow Center here in Tacoma. Um, they also donate their time and energy to just help support um, the work around for local LGBTQ plus um, young people and just all the things that are going on, whether it's uh, mental health support or it's um, help with employment, housing, all kinds of stuff. The Rainbow Center is pretty fantastic. The other uh, organization I'd like to mention, I would be remiss if we didn't, is to talk about the Gender Cool Project. So many of you know uh, My Purple Umbrella that is run by Lisa Keating and her daughter, Stella. And Stella also did a couple of episodes or six episodes called Gimme the Mic for one of the Channel 253 uh, short shows. Pretty fantastic. And so again, they work around um, helping and supporting trans youth and all the things that kind of that entails. So we'll link to both those things, My Purple Umbrella, as well as the Gender Cool mm -hmm. Project. And you can go listen to Stella yourself. She's pretty amazing. Fantastic. So I feel that that might be the, the ex exhaustive list of organizations that our listeners have recommended. Um, feel free to um, hop onto our Twitter if you want to add any more to the thread post show of if you have organizations that you want to recommend that you think people should be aware of and should know, feel free to go to our Twitter page and add those or our Facebook page and add those on there so people can go and give to the organizations that resonate the most with them. Mm. So thank you all um, for taking the time and energy and considering this challenge to you, how you can put your money towards those things um, that matter to you, that help create a more just world, a more equitable world, um, and bring a little bit of hope at this time that is very hopeless for a lot of folks. And so uh, thank you for taking on that challenge and for giving to us, giving to the community, supporting Channel 253. Um, we feel very, I feel very blessed. I'm not going to speak for you, Megan. Um, ditto, <laughs> I feel ditto. very blessed to be part of a community that cares about other people and that is willing to put um, their money into the things that they talk about. I'm grateful for it all the time. Absolutely. Just being surrounded by people that con like just constantly remind you to be a better person and how to be a better person, right? So it's not just words. I think that that's what I love about being a part of this is that it's not just talk with this community, right? It's that how do we actively make a change? And um, I'm really grateful for that. All right, we'll uh, talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. I feel like I just was like, my brain, my brain won't work. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.